Hello from Sydney and welcome to the Proof of Concept podcast, the tech show where we explore real life use cases from the field and discuss those hot questions in the in data science and AI. I am your host, Grant Case, RVP for sales engineering here for Data IQ and APJ. And here in season three of the Proof of Concept podcast, we have had our eye on 2026. Funny, 2026 is just a little over two years away, and that means half of the 20s are now gone. To get ready, though, for the back half of this decade, we've focused this podcast season on what you can learn, understand, experience in order to best prepare yourself for the coming changes in the marketplace, whether you're just starting out your career or you're a seasoned executive. Today's episode, we're going to focus on your career and how you can future-proof your career with AI and do that And to do that, my guest today is a gentleman who's been reinventing himself many times over during his career. Today's guest is Sean McGurr. Sean is the field CDO for uh, the EMEA region here at Dataiku. But by my count in his LinkedIn, he's had north of seven different careers since coming to Dataiku. But more importantly, he's here to help us chat about how we can use AI to future-proof our career rather than having it disrupted. So welcome to the Proof of Concept podcast, Sean. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for counting up um, those <laughs> those changes, even within DataRaku. If you keep going further back, you'll find even more. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, here at the Proof of Concept podcast, we try to break things down, A, B, C, D, E um, uh, style. And really for the kind of the start of this discussion in our abstract, let's talk a little bit about how, what is all of this AI stuff about? More importantly, how are we going to use AI to start to really think about and how and improve our career, Sean? I think um, what we're seeing a lot of uh, right now uh, from DataRQ is a lot of interest from people who've you know pretty deep in their careers <clears throat> about how mm-hmm. to apply maybe the latest and greatest version of AI, generative AI, large language models, and mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's all well and good. Um, what isn't quite there yet is kind of very reliable use cases and tangible business value in every industry, right? So people are naturally jumping forward and saying, how can I use this latest, greatest tech um, to change something about the business? And part of the reason for all those, um, you know, career evolutions uh, that I've had uh, is that I think it's really good to apply technology to yourself uh, before you mm-hmm. go out and try and apply it uh, to to other people. So I've been thinking a lot recently, how could I have done things differently if I'd had the tools that are available now? Um, how mm-hmm. could I have accelerated making myself obsolete, right? Ever since I started working with data, I really wanted to not do the same task or job twice, Right, and mm-hmm. that's just a personality trait more than anything. Um, but I think it's it's you can high never time move for... up if you've never if you if nobody knows how to do your job, you'll never move up, right? Yeah, yeah, and it feels um, it can feel really risky uh, and a little dangerous. But what I found doing that early on was people don't get rid of you when you're the one to automate part of your job. They give you more responsibility. They give you a tougher question or a tougher problem. Eventually, they give you a team, and and mm-hmm. uh, that's what human careers are about, right? Developing uh, in in the right direction that you want. And if AI can help us do that, then uh, we need to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And again, I think uh, one of the things I always talk about uh, to uh, young people that are coming up to me and kind of asking my career is like, hey, 
you got to automate yourself out of a job uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of different times. If you want to ever move up, you want to move on. Uh, you've got to you've got to do that. And really, I think AI has, uh, especially as we've seen stuff with ChatGPT, what we're seeing things with Midjourney. Uh, there's absolutely a lot of ways you can start to help. Uh, dis- yeah, not necessarily having the AI disrupt your own career, but mm-hmm. you disrupting your career. So, yeah. in kind of this B block, we talk about breaking this down. So, how do we, mm-hmm. you know, how do we explain this like it's five? So, how would you kind of go about uh, speaking to, let's say, a, a seen a seasoned executive today who's asking you about AI and what it does for their career? You've obviously having these sorts of conversations right now. So, how are you kind of constructing that conversation? Let's actually approach it from the other end of career development. So I uh, actually had a Data IQ event the other week or an event Mm -hmm. where we were presenting. Um, Different school groups came around different booths. Ah, Oh, even better. With their teachers. Yeah, yeah. And so they were, what is this thing? What what has my teacher dragged me to? Um, what What is AI? And I started with the simple question with each group who's using ChatGPT to help them with their homework, right? And mm-hmm. some of them put up their hands and the teacher knew it was going on and the teacher has to adjust to that. Uh, so uh, it's already being used by, you know, late high school kids. Uh, but mm-hmm. when we talked about what they should study, uh, how they should think about their career, that's the question that the teacher threw in the pot was what I was able to say now, which wasn't, so clear to me two, three years ago necessarily is it probably matters less and less what specific technical things that you might study. But if you come out of school, if you go into higher education of any kind with some applied skills, any kind of technical field and any kind mm-hmm. of humanities, social science thing, you're going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. Because what AI is going to take away is a lot of artisanal technical work that did require highly specialized people that will always be there to the rest of time. But these kind of 17 year old kids, it was quite freeing for me to be able to say, it doesn't matter so much what you study, but how you study it and how you approach it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's going to make you robust to all these changes Mm -hmm. over time. So I would probably say to a senior executive, a very similar thing. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when you when you could say the same thing to a senior executive as you're saying to 17-year-old high schoolers, it's a pretty interesting time. I would say that's a, we, you know, what's the old uh, Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. And I think in this case, we are living in a very interesting time <laughs> for Absolutely. many of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, um, I think one of the things I hear a lot about uh, especially when it comes to AI, is this just another fad? Uh, mm. Even AI itself uh, had a moment in the '80s and kind of petered out, and uh, because we we weren't at that point in time. But if I'm looking at even my career when I started, I was talking a little bit about I was doing application development, and I kind of got into this data elements. Uh, you know, like many of us, just kind of. Yeah. Oh, you like database? Yeah, go work on the database. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. much of a I wasn't much of an app developer, uh, but I did. You know, I knew my way around the database itself. So, can you kind of compare and contrast this moment uh, we're having with AI, uh, both maybe from a historic pers- uh, sense of 
kind of these different changes we've seen in the mm. marketplace today? And then what's, you know, what's unique and, you know, what's the same? Yeah. So a year ago, I was pretty skeptical about this moment that we're now in. I was like, okay, generated art, that's fine. I'm not going to put any fantasy themed pictures on my wall anytime soon. And uh, not I'd a mid journey fan. Huh? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, and then now I've seen it do some amazing stuff. One of the things <laughs> that changed my mind about that was one of the event companies that we work with in, in Europe, all of its designers are now using mid journey to generate much more innovative and interesting visuals to go along with the events that they are advertising. So it's shifting the job mm-hmm. of, of designers. That was one of the things that convinced me, this moment is uh, different. Uh, and then when I just started to see how natural some of the conversation with ChatGPT can be, that's another thing that tipped the scales and made me think it's different. Um, but this moment is interesting because compared to the winter, you know, I really think we have passed a threshold in terms of availability of data and computation and methods that have made some things possible that even a couple of years ago, of course, OpenAI was working on this for 10 years, right? But even people in the field, people like you and me a couple of years ago would have probably predicted that these things that are now possible for kind of anyone with an internet connection to use would have been further out than now. So, and that's, but that happens with all technological innovations and, and, and change. So uh, often the things that we predict or maybe want the most happen later Uh, Some unexpected things happen uh, a little earlier. I think what's really helping me get my head around it uh, is a book I'm I'm, I'm reading called Prediction Machines by some University of Toronto economists. Highly recommend it for anyone that's not technical, but it Mm -hmm. does help fill in for technical people how this is different and and but also similar to other uh, changes uh, in technology. And and the big takeaway from that book is that. What what AI is doing in general, and I think uh, the book was written before this moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But what the book, what AI is doing in general, is reducing the cost of prediction. Mm-hmm. And when you reduce the cost of prediction, and I think we've passed a threshold in the cost of some kinds of predictions now with the availability of these large language models. That's just an economic shift that will change business models, individual productivity, careers, and lots of things. So, the technology is really cool and interesting and everything but the way that i'm making sense of it for myself is trying to think through okay when the costs of certain kinds of predictions especially conversational Mm -hmm. predictions drops not to zero but but much much lower what does that change about what we can achieve and that helps us put it in a bit more reasonable probably historical perspective and focus also on what will be the short-term value gains from applying this in specific use cases rather than yeah, overselling this moment as the solution to absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I I completely agree with what you're talking about there. Uh, 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 I kind of come back to something you said her uh, earlier, which is kind of I remember at the very start of this uh, these changes when we're kind of comparing and contrasting is the changes. I would. I did not expect we would be here at this point. If you asked me, maybe about two years ago, would we be at this point? I would say no. Um, but you said something very interesting. OpenAI has been doing this for the last ten years. Uh, Bill Gates has a great quote. He says, "People un- overestimate what's possible in two years, but they underestimate what's possible in a decade." Mm-hmm. And we're kind of at this point in time. 
if I'm reflecting on my own career and I'm, you know, and I, again, I'm having a lot of people uh, interact with me again, this is stuff that people all want to talk about right now. It's, it feels very much, very much the theme of data uh, mm. hasn't changed. So when I kind of compare and contrast what we're seeing right now, the the theme of data, data rules all. In the case of AI, it's even more important necessarily mm-hmm. than what we're doing in machine learning and, and your typical dapular data. But it's almost inc- it's even more so important. So it's this concept and idea. If you're following the data, you know you follow the river, you're going to get to the ocean at some point mm-hmm. in time, and I, it feels like very much that. Uh, I don't th- and. I don't think I've anticipated where it's really different for me in this is in fact, the speed, the speed uh, you and I are both part of an expert AI group inside of data IQ. And this stuff's changing on a weekly basis at this point, which is, which makes our jobs really interesting at this point. But I think to me, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think think, um, this, you're right about the, the, the continuity of that data theme though. So that, uh, yes, the speed is terrifying in some ways, exhilarating in others. Mm-hmm. What it is helping uh, people who want to do this, including us, what's helping us all highlight is some of the needs to do foundational things, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been talking to data leaders about recently is not, you know, I don't know all the use cases. No one knows them <laughs> yet. No. Uh, but what I've been imploring data leaders and other executives to do is not waste the moment, right? So the moment has generated so much interest in this new kind of um, AI, not to waste the moment of their elevated interest and maybe some slightly suspended disbelief to, to make those critical points about, is that do we want to build this ourselves or should we use someone else's? Do we have the data to support that? Are our processes robust that this thing won't get out of control and cost us tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in in fines from a regulatory regime that has not yet been written or adapted. So mm. I, I completely agree. And and that's that's tough, right? How do you keep uh, motivated on the, on the new technology, but also use it to solve good old-fashioned problems which haven't changed that much over yeah. the decades? So, and we'd love to hear your use cases. Uh, you know, what are you reading? Uh, please follow us here uh, on the Proof of Concept podcast here at, on YouTube, <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, and anywhere you get your podcast. We'd love to hear your conversation and let's keep the conversation going. Uh, so, Sean, when we think about our careers, uh, you and I are, uh, tour- yeah, we're experienced uh, seasoned executives at this point in time, uh, but What's the value? How do you think a lot of what AI is going to contribute over the next, you know, the next two and a half to three years uh, to a lot of the careers of the individuals? Uh, I, I'm almost excited for if you're coming out of, if you're new in your career or just coming out, I'd, I'd be both petrified and incredibly excited about what AI could do for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's that was brought home to me when, you know, 20 high school kids turned up at that booth and I was put on the spot about what should they do? And, and and that's why it was exciting and liberating to be able to not feel obligated to push them into STEM or coding. Not everyone, it was already true, not everyone needed to learn how to write code and program. 
and if this new wave of AI makes that more accessible, that's probably a good thing. I do think back to a lot of things that were hard for me to do, not having a programming background or you know any kind of computer science background in my career, because I, like many other people, um, got into this data thing a little bit like you. Hey, you seem to be the person interested in answering questions. So yeah. here's some complicated questions and here's some go data. <laughs> and go, go at it and come back when you have um, answers. And I think if we think about what large language models are really good at, they're really good at understanding the concepts behind human language. And when I think about the the workflow, the data value chain, how people getting into data now get into data, what has changed compared to 20 years ago, the training is ubiquitous, the tools are so accessible, the entry barrier is lower than it has ever been. What I still think, though, is that data people and the data people as a community can be a little bit tribal in our knowledge. There's a little bit still of, uh, well, unless you've got your scars doing this or that, you're not really... Uh, mm -hmm. one of us, which any group does that. Any group <laughs> uses its collective shared experiences to yeah, yeah. include some people and, and exclude yeah, others. Exclude others, um, yep. Yeah, and I think large language models might help break down some of those last barriers of, you know, if, if you're a, at some point in your data career, at least today, it's likely that at some point some DBA database administrator is going to hand you an entity relationship diagram or some convoluted diagram of how some data flows or is linked together and 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 maybe give you a sample of data and say good luck work you know, work all that out for yourself um and i spent weeks and sometimes months trying to stitch together across different enterprise data sources like how does this all work together and is this column really like this other column and i think the power of these language models can maybe cut through some of that um pain quite quickly so i'm really mm -hmm. excited to see what new products what new approaches how people turn the work that we do and the way that we do data work a little bit on its head for, for me that mm -hmm. you know to to democratize that aspect of it right not just here's some tools but to to make it possible for a new data person to get their head around the complexity of enterprise data Mm -hmm. That would be a massive value multiplier for the people who employ them and for the people in those careers themselves. Yeah. And for me, when I think about that, uh, I'd echo a lot of those points in terms of what's the, a lot of that value of the AI. Uh, I'm almost, so especially for even those that may be tangential, uh, I think of those, those, those individuals may be statisticians or, uh, you know, if you're doing things uh, in, uh, mechanical engineering or any mm. of the, you know, any place where there might be data, but data is not necessarily your job. Mm. Uh, I think there's going to be an incredible amount of potential uh, to help mm -hmm. with there. So when I think about yeah, bringing those people in the, in the tent on the boat, whatever your favorite metaphor. And then the, the great thing about so many of those fields and kind of the convergence of where that talent is coming from, but also where the data opportunity lies to go back to it's about the data. Mm -hmm. The most interesting things that I'm seeing people organize themselves to do right now um, are about using LLMs to unlock new sources of data. And if you think about um, those mm -hmm. manufacturing, those pharmaceutical, there is a ton of additional value in really unstructured data that has just, it's been too hard to capture 
uh, the investment to squeeze more signal out of that has been too high in the past. And you know, one example that uh, I've been uh, discussing with a customer is the maintenance records for aircraft, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of that is heavily regulated. There's a lot of forms that are filled out that create highly structured data, but there's also the engineer's notes that they write standing in front of a plane. And all those notes are written in English, but the way that a German aircraft engineer standing in Germany writes their notes in English is different than the way that someone in Glasgow might do it. And so there's, a, there's an incredible wealth, I think, of unstructured data collected and stored thanks to big data that not a lot of stuff was done with it if i'm if i'm honest yeah. and if llms help us get more people working on that data with the domain expertise and, and create value from it that will be a massive win and to me much more interesting than oh how do we further automate the call center which is already highly yeah. <laughs> automated automated yeah so uh, we'd love to hear kind of what you think the, the value, where a lot of these use cases. Uh, please uh, follow us here uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course, anywhere you're getting the Proof of Concept podcast. You know, tell us about what, you know, what sort of use cases do you see? Where do you think the value is going to be? So, Sean, uh, as we come to the end of the the, the podcast, I'm going to put put you on the spot and put your, uh, put your thinking cap on, uh, prognosticator's cap, and uh, tell us you know, where do we go from here uh, with AI in terms of helping future proof, you know, where do we need to be thinking about the next two to three years? Very good question. We just talked about how bad those predictions <laughs> can be, but you've put me on the spot, so I will make a prediction. So I think over the next six months, a year, all those generative AI task forces going on in enterprises are going to find some stuff. And it's going to be a little bit interesting, but a little bit disappointing. So I anticipate uh, a bit of an autumn or fall moment uh, eventually to hit everyone who's 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 trying it. That's just part of any technology adoption. And in a couple of years, I do believe that this will just be another tool in the enterprise toolkit for solving problems. I would really love it to be a tool in the overall digital toolkit, right? Uh, not just data people having to push this on the rest of the business. It would be amazing if people designing digital customer experiences uh, were able to leverage this technology uh, as well and for it to not just be within the data people. And then for the data people, what I say, in two years, it's not necessarily going to be uh, okay for you to say, well, we're not really for AI. Um, we're going to predict stuff later. <laughs> if this stuff is dropping the cost of prediction markedly, uh, you don't want to be caught out building your thousand and first dashboard that, yeah. that the business might not use when you could have predicted your business's way out of a big problem or, or identified a new opportunity. So I think data people, whatever kind of data person they are, need to get their head around it for their own career sake and to educate the rest of their business because who else is going to do that with the right kind of foot in both camps of, you know, managing the risks and, and the opportunities. And again, for me, when it comes to this evolution, uh, I think we're going to see uh, the democratization a lot of a lot of the domain knowledge that we have, have accumulated over time. 
the need and desire and interest to continue to learn uh, will just rapidly grow. Um, and AI is going to help a lot of us uh, further our careers in that sense. So there's no ability to turn this off. It's just going to go. So you better, uh, you better get on the train at this point in time and start to learn the stuff. And it's just, a, yeah, it's one of those things that we all, we all figure out. There are some points in our career where we say there are technologies that are defining our careers. Mm. Uh, I, uh, if I was to look at, you know, the early, the early tens, it was, you know, we were talking about dashboards. Now we're talking more about AI and this is just the next wave and better learn it. So, uh, Sean, before we go, uh, please let us know where can we, people find, maybe you write anything or talk a, about anything. Yes. You can find me on the internet. Uh, you've probably heard <laughs> of it. Uh, so mostly on LinkedIn. Uh, I used to be on Twitter and, and world events over the last six to eight years kind of killed, killed Twitter a little bit for me. But you can find me on, on LinkedIn. You can find me on the Data Raku blog. You can even find me on, on YouTube. Um, All right. And my name is relatively unique. So you've got a good chance of, <laughs> of finding me without any generative AI. Thanks so much, Sean. And again, thank you all for listening here to the Proof of Concept podcast. Please continue to subscribe to us here, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, and of course, anywhere you're getting your podcast. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you all. Take care and have a great day. Bye now.